0: Today on the Four City Church Elgin podcast, teaching pastor Steve Carter has part one of the series titled, Teach Us to Pray. I don't know if any of you come in today with just a, a little bit of walls up. My friend Margaret, she often talks about how often in relationships she has one wall up or one hand up and the other hand like, well, you got you to gotta find a way you got to climb the wall. you gotta, you got to find a way. Any of you relate to that? Just like a wall up, and yet you gotta, you got to somehow figure out the wall. And, and there's something really, really vulnerable when you walk in and just say, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. Uh, yesterday at my house, it was homecoming. Homecoming, yeah. I, I've got a ninth-grade boy, and he came up to me a month ago, and he said, I think it's time. <laughs> and I said, What do you mean? It's time for me to put myself out there. <laughs> and I was like, all right, all right. And 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 I was like, okay, so what are you gonna do? And he's like, I gotta, I I don't wanna go too soon, but I don't want to go too late. Um, but I, I gotta I gotta I gotta I gotta go. And I'm like, do you know what she's gonna say? He's like, no. And I'm like, so you have no idea what she's gonna say. Not at all. And I'm like, you're literally putting yourself out there. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, this could go terribly bad. <laughs> like, what kind of dad am I? I'm like fearful for him. He's like, yeah, but it could go terribly good. And I was like, who are you? So, so he gets a bunch of donuts and uh, he begins to write on the donuts, like with icing. Um, you know, will you go to homecoming with me? And they meet at this elementary school where they used to go to elementary school together. And, and he asks her and I'm like in the car and I'm like driving by. Cause I don't, I'm like, I'm so dad paranoid that this is going to be a bunch of emo music and listening to dashboard confessional and like crying. And, um, and so I'm like, Oh man. And he just came back and there was this joy and, um, and then last night, just this, this moment, and I, I just, I haven't been able to stop thinking, when's the last time you, you put yourself out there? You know, because, again, we, we have language, and it came from the military, and it's called calculated risk. And it was the idea that how many planes would we lose on this mission, and if, if, if you were like, well, we might lose two, now that's, you know, millions and millions of dollars in lives, you begin to think, well, is that worth it? It's calculated risk. I think if we, we actually do this mission successfully and well, we won't lose anyone. You're like, okay, let's go. So this terminology of calculated risk, calculated risk, calculated risk. And what's happened is we've chose strategy over vulnerability. We we have chosen the strategy. And and again, some some of you who are married or who are dating or who want to date, you know that you put yourself out there when you already knew that she or he was into you. Strategy. The vulnerability, though, is you actually coming and going, I know I have walls up and I'm going to do what I need to to bring those down to actually offer you up a piece of my heart. And that... That is where we're going today. If you were here last weekend, um, you, you got to the privilege of drinking from a fire hydrant. I don't know if you ever, ever, ever tried, just turn that thing on. Um, that, that's what Carrington Gaines brought. I was watching it. I was like moving around, watching it. And I, when he's like pacing and praying and praying and pacing. Uh, but he had this equation, and I wanted every one of you to know it. And just in case, because it was a holiday weekend, some of you missed it. We have a podcast. You can go back and, and check it out. Just go to Apple or Spotify, Four City Church, Elgin. Listen to this. But there was an equation that he kept coming back to. Ordinary plus what? X. It's, on, it's behind you. Ordinary plus X equals extraordinary, right? And he kept talking about this X factor. And this X factor is really this time with God. And when we have this time with God and we bring down those walls and we we have this posture where it's like, into me you see, which is what intimacy is, into me you see, all of a sudden God can begin to deposit. And that's, that's when all of a sudden more chutzpah and courage, more forgiveness and tenderness, more truth and more grace, more beauty begins to happen within us. Well, today I'm excited because we've got to take this concept a little bit farther. But before we do that, I want to I wanna just go back and go, do you remember when? And not just do you remember when, but do you remember where you were when something happened? So let's just say, do you remember where you were when you found out that Kobe Bryant had died? Any of you remember where you were when? I was in, in Houston at a Marriott getting food at, at this Marriott Hotel, and I'm going through Twitter, there's a whole bunch of people in this restaurant, and I audibly scream out, I think Kobe just died. And the whole place looks at me, and they're like, "It's a sick joke, man. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I think he died. And then we just started getting more news. Do you, do you remember where you were when in 2016, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Do you remember where you were? you remember where you were? I, I was, yeah, I was in a basement. I was in a basement with a low ceiling, and I was so excited, I jumped up, and I hit my head on this low ceiling and jacked my neck. And so I went the whole time, like, cheering with, like, a messed-up neck until a chiropractor saved me. Do, do you remember where, for some of you maybe um, who might remember this. Do you remember where you were when the Challenger exploded? I watched it as a kid in school because there was a school teacher and we were watching it and just was like, what just happened? It was like a third grader, very traumatized. I wanted to go to space camp, but never again. You know, and just you sat there and you're like, what just happened? Today marks the 21 year anniversary of 9 11. Do you remember where you were when you found out? I I was, it was 6 a.m. in Southern California, and I was trying to get an internship in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so, as earnest as I could be, I, I knew that the church opened at 9 and the secretary would begin to answer phone calls. So I dialed and I got. Transferred to the senior pastor's assistant, which I was like, This is a win. This is a win. Ernest is all get out, 9 11, 2001, 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I knew the woman, Debbie. I said, Debbie, hey, Steve Carter, I'm coming back for Thanksgiving. I was wondering if I could get time. And she stops and she goes, Steve, are you watching the television? And I said, No, I'm calling you. And she begins to kind of share. And I'm like, What? 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 What are you talking about? You couldn't, you couldn't even fathom what happened. And, and here's the crazy piece. We, we created this slogan, never forget. Never forget. And, and as you even think about it, even the greatest cinematographer, like cinematographer, that's like sh- shooting film, the, the writers of movies, they, they couldn't have dreamed up some script that would have done this. Because if you watched you would have been like, there's no way. But all of a sudden we began to back up and we began to recognize that somebody had imagined this happening and actually pulled it off. And my family, my mom's side of the family is all from New York. My uncle was like six blocks from it happening. To this day, you bring up those three letters and the man, as tough as New York is, is a puddle. I don't have that to the same degree growing up in Southern California. But it's sitting there and thinking about all of the, the pictures of the men running up, the firemen, the first responders. It's just a picture of the gospel. So much pain, so much tragedy. But here's what I want you to think about. Someone imagined evil to happen and pulled it off. And, and here's the crazy piece. is If you think about this, someone can imagine evil to happen and pull it off, then they're also on the other side, someone can imagine a whole bunch of good, and it too can be pulled off. And and, and this, this is where I want us to focus when it comes to prayer, because we are living in a world, you've heard me say it from Barbara Brown Taylor, we are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. And the world that we have to imagine is the world that God dreamed up. The world that we have to try and embody is the world in which God desires for us to live in a world where evil happens. And C.S. Lewis just called evil co-opted good. And we've all experienced some sense of good being co-opted by our own volition or by other people around us. But we must never stop being about the kinds of imagination And opening our hearts up to believe that another world is possible. And that's what this series is all about. So in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Jesus is asked this simple question. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. I love that because Jesus had a certain place that he would go to. When he finished, one of his Talmudim, one of his apprentices, his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, when we hear this, we can often think, oh, Jesus is going to teach them literally how to pray with a bunch of high school disciples going, all right, Peter, close your eyes, bring the hands together, bow the head, kneel. He doesn't do that. When you ask a rabbi, In the face of political oppression, because all of these young disciples and Jewish nation were living under the power and control of Rome, who was stealing their land, who was taxing them, extorting them, abusing them, and hurting them. When you asked a rabbi, teach me how to pray, what you were asking him is, What is your vision? What is your mission? What are you trying to reimagine in the here and now? What is that? Because John had one, which was come out to the desert and repent. And get baptized and prepare your heart and your mind for the Messiah to come. And I can't even clean that dude's sandals and his feet because he's so holy. That was John's whole mission getting people to have their hearts and their minds radically prepared for the coming Messiah. But Jesus, Jesus was like, you want to know what I'm trying to do? You want to know what I'm trying to do? And he begins to unpack a prayer, a prayer that many of us know. But let me just stop real quick and go, well, what then is prayer? Because I actually, for so many years, as a kid, didn't really know what a prayer was. And this is my best attempt, and I've kind of had some influences with John Ortberg and Dallas Willard and, and a few other. And I just kind of just wrote this little phrase. Prayer to me is the most honest, intelligently thoughtful conversation about what we're doing together with God. It's just honest. It's, it's, it's intelligent. You know, I, 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 try, I try to have good theology when I pray. It's thoughtful. I'm trying to be vulnerable. It's a conversation about what we get to do with God or what we need from God or what we're asking for God or what we're bringing praise and honor to God. And when we we can actually enter into this, and sometimes the most honest and intelligently thoughtful conversation I can have is just staying quiet with God and just starting to try and feel what's happening in my internal world. But what's so amazing to me is this invitation to prayer wasn't just a posture, it was more about a practice. It wasn't just a a steps to, it was an invitation to. But to understand that, I want to bring you back to a, a, a set of scriptures right before what we know as the Lord's Prayer. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, and it says this. And when you pray, Do not be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the actors. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And I love this because all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will use this phrase. The people got what they wanted. They received their reward in full. It wasn't the reward in eternity. They got what they wanted. They wanted to be seen by men. They were seen by men. They wanted to be perceived as holy. They got what they wanted in that moment. But that's not the kingdom vision. Look what it says. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door. And pray to the Father who is seen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. I love it. And so then Jesus goes, so this is then how you should pray. Now, I want to say this because I found this quote, and I thought it was so hilarious. Um, David McIntosh, he wrote this, that the Lord's Prayer is 66 words. Powerful. The Gettysburg Address, one of the greatest messages ever, 286 words. And there are 1,322 words in an amazing document by Thomas Jefferson, the Declaration of Independence, yet government regulations on the sale of cabbage totaled 26,911 words. I love that. There's something powerful. Just in 66 words, what you're about to hear was Jesus' mission, his vision. It's what got him up in the morning, what he longed to see Actualized here on earth and what he believes can be embodied in every single one of us. Now, how many of you grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer? Yeah. How many of you still know it by heart? Yeah, that's good. And I think what's amazing is when it comes to formation, spiritual formation, there's this constant movement that's happening between simple truths, struggle, and sacred realities. So simple truth. Simple truth is, God is for me. Simple truth, you'll never be forsaken. Simple truth, God is with us, Emmanuel, right? And then what happens is that truth and your life actually goes through the fire. It goes through a point where the unexpected happens and then you have to ask yourself, oh is that same message God is with me still holding up in the fire it takes on this movement from a realm of twitter to like a place of transformation and when you can discover that truth that phrase that word that verse that prayer becomes profoundly sacred and that is my prayer Is that this wouldn't be a rote reciting of 66 words, but that every single one of us, no matter our age, no matter what we're walking through, would go on this progression from the simple idea of the Lord's Prayer into the face of the struggle. Because that's exactly what the apprentices, the disciples, the Talmudim of Jesus were going through when he taught them, this is what I want for you. And have us experience some profound moments of experiencing partnering with God in what he's up to in this world from simple truths to sacred transi- transformation so back to the text it says this this is then how you should pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Um, This past few days, I've been in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, if you know me, you know I don't go to Columbus, Ohio. I got the stewardess, the flight attendant, to scream out on the actual plane because she was a Michigan fan. She's like, go blue! And she got booed. And I was, yes! Um, I kept walking the streets, actually trying to put into practice what Carrington taught us, spending 15 minutes centering ourselves, being grounded, listening, praying. And I just kept praying, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. I just kept, as I walked the streets of Columbus, but I was I was there for a conference, and at this conference, um, I I only knew one of the speakers, Erwin um, um, McManus, and so Erwin and a buddy of mine we we, we went to go see him, and, and it was great. And but what I realized was Erwin was the only Christian there, and this was like a this was a um, a very like business y meets woo woo meets Sedona Arizona conference. And I'm sitting there, and most of the sessions, I'm reaching into my pocket and grabbing my little cross, cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance. And, and, and they, they were using phrases like this, man, the universe is for you. The universe is so for you. But Erwin ends up having this moment, and he's, after he speaks, and he, he, he does amazing, he gets interviewed, and the guy who's interviewing him goes, asks him a question, hey, um, how are you like still believing in God? And Erwin flips it on him and goes, well, I got a question for you. Why is it when you talk about the universe, you always say the universe is for me, the universe is for me, the universe is for me, but when you talk about God, you always say God is against you? I was like, let's go! (laughs) I, I was sitting there in this moment going, oh, that, that. And all of a sudden what he started to do was beginning to help people reimagine what God is actually wanting to do in us and through us and for us. And and, and here's the truth. When we get to this text, I'm telling you, it starts right from the very beginning about our Father. You're not going to see the word I or me or my, or as my friend always calls it, the isms, I, self, and me in here. It's us and our This was so plural for this community in the face of of occupation, in the face of struggle to say, no, no, no. We all come together and we recognize that nobody has more access to the Father because of their position, because of their race, because of their bank account, because of their zip code. Every one of us were created in the image of God. I mean, the only one who has primary access to God is Christ. And it was through Christ's death and burial and resurrection that gave all of us access to his presence. And so this this for me, when we start to say this prayer, oftentimes we miss out just on the moment of going, Oh my goodness, our father. There was a soldier who was rolling to the White House, and uh, he, really, he really wanted to uh, meet President Lincoln. He, he, just, he, he thought maybe he could actually show and thank some, some appreciation, show some appreciation to President Lincoln. And he, and he wanted to go, and he got there, and, and security, doing what security does, was like, I'm so sorry. Uh, President Lincoln, uh, he, he's busy today. So if you've ever been to the White House, you know that, you know, a, a little bit away ways. there's a nice little, little park. And so the soldier went and he sat down in this little bench next to this park. And, and all of a sudden this kid was walking by. This kid is walking by and, you know, he, he's probably got a yo-yo or something. He's just walking by. He's with, he's with somebody else. And, and, and he sees a soldier. And he's been trained as a kid to respect soldiers. So the kid's just walking, walking. He sees a soldier and goes, hi, Mr. Soldier. And the, and the guy's like, oh, hi, kid. And he's like, he's like you seem down. The kids are so honest and human. They just know. And the kid's like, well. And he's like, what is it? Well, I came here, and I, I just, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to, like, meet someone. And the guy's now realizing, why am I processing my deepest pain with a nine-year-old? You know, like, he's just like, I, I just, I, I had this expectation. Maybe i get to meet the president. And, and the kid's like, oh, you want to meet the president? I know him. And the guy's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, He goes, no, he's my dad. He's like, come with me. And Todd, the son of President Lincoln, brings this, this former soldier into the chambers and goes, hey, dad, I want you to meet my friend. He's a soldier. And I love this story because this is what Jesus has done for us is he's like, oh, no, 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 you have access. Everywhere you go, you have access. The reason why I had many of you hold on to these crosses is because I wanted to remind you at any single moment, you have uh, access to the presence of God. And when you have access to the presence of God, instead of a culture that is fraught with worry, you have a moment to step back in sheer delight and wonder at what might want to happen in this present moment. For me, this is what is such a powerful picture of the Lord's Prayer. Andrew Murray, a great, great thought leader and thinker, says this. First, thy name. Then, thy kingdom. Then, thy will. Then, give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. The lesson is of more importance than we think. In true worship, the Father must be first. Must be all. That's why it starts with our Father. Our Father. Who art in heaven. And really in the original language, it's like who is in the heavens. It's almost like like Jesus was trying to write it in such a way that of this massive cosmic reality. Our Father who art in heaven. And then he uses this word, hallowed. Hallowed which really is the the, the idea of holy. Hallowed be thy name. Holy, set apart, complete. Echad, oneness, is who Yahweh is. Adonai, these names of God, Hashem, which is what the Jewish people would call God because it literally meant the name, because to say his name was so holy, there was something that was so whole, so set apart, so hallowed, so unique, so beautiful, and it's like, Our father, though, our father who is hallowed, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I love what John Orberg says. John says that the kingdom of God is closer than the very air that we breathe. Just think about that. With every breath we breathe in, every breath that we breathe out, it's inviting in the presence of God. And, and, and some of you know this, I've taught it before, but you know, the Hebrew alphabet, 22 letters. The Hebrew name of God, Yahweh, it's made up of three letters, Yod, He, and Vav, and then He again. We added the vowels lettered later, but those three letters, are silent and really they're the sound of breathing that rabbis begin to decree and so the powerful picture is that every time we breathe inhale and exhale we are saying a letter that makes up the holiest name God, hey, God, hey, God, hey, God, hey. that's why when you read like Psalm 150 it just says That everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Because there's something about every time we breathe, it's a moment to give praise. It's a moment to actually begin, to begin to give honor and glory. And, And what's amazing to me, what's amazing to me is you know that when you worship or when you give praise, all you're doing is you're making space for your internal world to appreciate what you think matters. And you know what's amazing about the word appreciate? Have you ever noticed that what you appreciate over time appreciates in value? I've never I've never been able to understand this but like when you when you appreciate a relationship when you appreciate your spouse when you appreciate your kids when you appreciate your teacher when you appreciate a mentor when you appreciate and you show appreciation and you step into that vulnerability and you allow that vulnerable part of you to bring some honor and gratitude that appreciates over time But the same thing's true as when you don't appreciate. It's like my bank account in college just goes to the negative really, really quick. And so the question really becomes then is this, if this prayer was what Jesus prayed on the regular, if this prayer was the mission and vision of Jesus, if this prayer was Jesus' invitation and desire for us on how we can live or how we can be human, why don't we step into it? This is the real question for me. Why is it a struggle for me to step into the invitation of our Father are in heaven, hallowed, holy, set apart is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Lead us not in temptation but deliver us from evil. For that is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. Why is it? Why is it for me that it's so easy when the beautiful vision or what Jesus is trying to reimagine for me, why is it so easy for me to put it off? And here's my thought. I'm not saying this affects any of you. I know it affects me. It's because I've been trained to procrastinate. I've been trained to take the easier route. I've been trained to put even the best for me off believing I have more time. And I realized that many of us, we're just classically good at procrastinating. And when we procrastinate, we delay the good. We delay the good. And I think the way that we often delay the good, and, and this is where I want to like play just for a moment, where many of us delay the good is through distraction. How many of you, it's just, um, you know what you're supposed to do, but there's that phone and there's that social media, or you could play that game, or you can just check your fantasy football roster one more time, or you can watch ESPN for the sixth straight time, thinking that they're going to do something different, but it's the same show every 30 minutes and we're just we just live in this constant scent place of distraction but all that disrupt distraction is doing is delaying the good of actually stepping in to be and and have that sacred transformation for some of us it's not it's not distraction for some of us we're just really really good And allowing ourselves to be interrupted. Because we don't actually trust that the good that God wants to do in us can happen. So we allow ourselves to be interrupted. And we have all of these interruptions. And sure, there are moments of God, only God interruptions. Yes, I know. But I'm talking about the kind of interruptions where we're almost looking for it. Because this is too vulnerable. This is too real. Or for some of us, we're, we, we, we're not just someone who's distracted or making interruptions. We're someone who makes excuses. And I was really good at making excuses know god probably wants to do that with somebody else or you know i got i got some other things i'm supposed to do and you know what i i I don't want to i don't want to i don't want to like really lean in because how do i know and i get into this calculated risk how am i can be sure that i'm going to bear really really good fruit how do i know and here's my actual ask is that in this season we would let procrastination die Distractions, interruptions, excuses, D-I-E. We let them die so that we could step in and receive what God has for us. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. As you know that when you decide, decide comes from the same word as what we get, homicide. When you decide, You actually are choosing to say something else is no more, and I'm choosing to grow. I'm choosing to let that old way of thinking die. I'm choosing to let those walls that I've built up to self-preserve or self-protect, I'm choosing to let that die so I can experience the here and now. I can experience our Father. I can experience the hallowed sense of God, the holiness of God somehow invading the very breath that I breathe and now turning this temple into something that's a little bit more whole today than it was yesterday, and a little bit more whole tomorrow than it is today. But here's the truth. None of us just drift towards holiness. None of you just like wake up and was like craziest thing. I'm like Billy Graham. It's just amazing. Just woke up and I'm like I can speak like him. I can fire people up. Nobody just drifts. Nobody drifts to be like man. It's crazy. I'm just really really patient. Wasn't yesterday, but now nothing bothers. Nobody drifts, and it requires a sense of stepping in and receiving the life. God has for you and friends I'm telling you you can't do it on your own and you're not going to drift towards it and it's not always going to be fun and it's not always going to be easy I don't like going to the gym I need to go to the gym more gym's just a friend it's not an actual place. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, 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 for me, like, I don't like it. But every time I leave it, I, oh, man, I feel good. I don't like getting up in the first thing for the last, for the first thing I did this week, the first 15 minutes as Carrington asked me to sit in silence and begin to reflect. I don't like doing that. But when I was done with it, I liked what it did in me. And so you heard Pastor Leonard talk about our devotional. And I, I want to give you a chance this week to sign up for that devotional, to go a little bit deeper. TJ Addington, one of our leaders, he, he's been writing these devotionals, and they're powerful. They're powerful stuff. And, and that, it's like a, it, this devotional, I think, can help you. I think, do we have a slide for that? I think it'll pop up. it's 21 Day Prayer Devo. And this is going to be helping you. Again, some of us were like, I don't know my first step. Do this. Step here. It's a great, great first step. I heard Pastor Leonard talk about following Jesus. And I'm telling you, the book that you will read to actually go through this course and the teaching that Leonard has for you, it's amazing. It'll it'll make you stronger. It'll give you practices. It's something that you can step into, into, into. So here's what I love to do. I'd love to close with us, and I'm not going to force any of you. Maybe for some of you, you're like, I haven't left your first point 72 minutes ago. (laughs) Sorry. Where you talked about the walls. Maybe for some of you, you have walls in your heart. and You've been just struggled to receive. Down in our basement, we have these massive prayer walls. And our team, we want to be praying for you. And maybe for some of you, you have these walls that you just need to put on that prayer wall. You don't need to put your name. We're not taking pictures of anybody who's writing them down. We just want to be faithful to carry you all in prayer. Maybe you have a prayer request. Maybe you're looking for a job. Maybe there's some need you have. Maybe there's some moment of just internal world appreciating what God has done, and you just want to let us know. After service, we invite you to go down there, but we want to carry each other in prayer. But what I want to ask of you is if you want to go on this journey with us. Next week, I'll be teaching, and it's really just a vision talk for who we are as a church, where we're going from the Lord's Prayer. The following week, Bria's teaching our campus pastor, and then I'll follow up. And that's kind of our four-week series on this, and we're fired up about this. But we want to end each week reciting this prayer not just simply reciting it but recognizing all of us will enter into the storm, all of us will enter into the struggle and we got to be prepared and this is prayer is going to be part of preparing us to live these sacred and transformed lives so with that, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet, if this is something that you want to step into in this month and maybe you just want to put out your hands a little bit of a blessing to receive but different different than just receiving I want you to both hear the words of your neighbor and myself speaking these over you but I also want you to be speaking these words over yourself and over those around you and so together let's read these words count of three our father in heaven hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and Much love, everyone. Grace and peace. See you next week. You've been listening to Teaching Pastor Steve Carter with part one of the series, Teach Us to Pray. Thanks for listening.